Welcome to the Fourth Dimension with Toby C, where participants dare to disclose bizarre experiences that occur in early recovery. The battle between good and evil, of God and of the occult. The psychic challenges we all encounter when trying to do the right thing. Now, here's Toby. Hey, it's Toby. It's your friend, Toby. Yeah, I'm back with another episode of The Fourth Dimension. Oh, yeah, it's a concept show. The concept is um, that there might be something um, at play that's interfering with yours or your loved one's attempts to get better. Something that's interfering that you may not be aware of right now. But I'll tell you, once you do get better, if you're lucky enough, you'll be you'll be able to calmly and objectively look back and know that um, that maybe it was evil. Maybe there was something evil. In our show, The Fourth Dimension talks about evil resistance that so many of us encounter in early recovery. And today, I have a friend of mine, and I've known him for quite some time, John T. Welcome, John. Hey, Toby. Thank you. Good to be here, sir. Thank you. And what we're going to do, like we do every show, is we're going to take John on a magical mystery tour back in time to his earliest memories of recovery, even maybe before his uh, earliest memories of recovery, maybe back to his earliest memories of his childhood or his uh, his development, and um, and find out what was going on. This show, by the way, is a concept show, like I said, and the fourth dimension can also be defined as opening up our minds to a higher level of planular thinking, to be able to open up our mind uh, outside the realms of a of the limitations of three-dimensional thinking and be, uh, you may have heard, rocketed into the fourth dimension. And I'm here to tell you, my friend, um, the fourth dimension is where phenomena and miracles take place, right, Sean? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I can identify with what you're saying. Sure, I plug it in. I'm are, plugged in, yeah. Are you a miracle, John? Are you a, are you a living miracle of recovery? Are you, are you somebody in a place that should not be where you are today, but only by by mere luck or God's grace? What do you You think? I believe you're right. I believe you're right. I think it started when I was a very, very small boy. I only had one sibling, a much older, by six years, achiever. My brother was a super achiever, all Mm -hmm. straight, A, pluses. And so uh, when I got to school, I, I I learned from a psychologist later this had a negative effect on my whole life mm-hmm. that I couldn't or didn't want to. And so the report cards would come home that will, at, uh, this guy, this little boy of yours, John, needs to work harder, work. Mm-hmm. You work, you, you're not doing, you, you need to work harder. Okay. Okay. And then ultimately, here I am many, many years later in a program whose motto is, it works if you work it. So yeah. the work has just been on my mind. That, all that was a tough one. So what you're describing, John, is um, you're describing failure yeah. or the sense of failure at a, ver- a very early age. And I'll tell you, so many of us come into recovery with this sense of failure. And the whole idea that we can actually get better and succeed at something so, so, uh, so uninteresting as getting sober... Mm. Uh, seems very elusive, yes. uh, yeah. and um, and there it is. But you and I are are living miracles. There's no question about it. 
and um, we were delivered from the gates of hell by maybe a loving God yeah. who uh, was really looking out for us. But, you know, going back now, and that's what we're going to be doing this hour, is we're going to be going back and looking at your earliest attempts uh, about getting better, uh, getting better in the sense that you wanted to stop suffering, you wanted your your life to stop being unmanageable, you wanted to start uh, um, becoming happily and usefully whole. Yeah. And um, so what we're going to do is we're going to go back there um, and we're going to try to open our minds to whether or not there was something evil, something external and something evil that did not have John's best interest at heart. And, um, you know, the other day, I can't just before we go on here, I got to tell you, a friend, you know. I go to a 7 a.m. Uh, home group meeting for my 12-step uh, group. It, it is Alcoholics Anonymous. I'll out myself, okay? Toby's out. But here's the deal. I heard a gal uh, who will remain anonymous share that, um, looking back, I can clearly see uh, where God was doing for me what I could not do for myself. Have you ever heard that, John? You ever Absolutely, heard that story? yeah. Okay. I've heard it from many people. Yeah. So looking back... Can we clearly see that the devil was doing for us what maybe we couldn't be doing for ourselves? Is that possible, John? Yeah, very deceptive. Very yeah. deceptive. I was convinced that no, it was all me doing the right thing. And uh, right, but but there it is. You know, and and how interesting. We don't want to talk about Satan or the devil or Lucifer or the fallen angel or any of that nonsense. Okay, because that's just exactly what the devil wants. He wants us to think that it's nonsense. Yeah. Um, let's let's imagine. That um, that the devil wants to stay in hiding, yeah, and yeah. he wants us to blame all of our woes and our misery on everything but him. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, and and he has a, a way of deceiving and, be, and being deceptive. Even even in, in the New Testament, it, it said it, it, they liken the devil to a wolf in sheep's clothing. Well, why wear sheep's clothing unless you want to be perceived as a good? Uh, Good entity. No question. Yeah. No question about it. And uh, the devil is cunning, baffling, and powerful. Powerless. Yeah, power. And uh, powerful. the devil is the subtle foe, isn't mm-hmm. it? And how interesting! Little wordplay. You know, we can change wordplay all day long. I happen to think that a lot of the the uh, men and women who penned a lot of these spiritual publications that are so popular in recovery were were very reluctant to use. Uh, words like demon, demonic, yeah. Satan, <clears throat> devil. Uh, they would just think that we're a bunch of quacks. It's socially, it's socially unacceptable. And there it is. I'm, and my open mind tells me that that's exactly what the devil wants, yeah. is for us to deny uh, his existence. And there it is. But anyway, John, take us back a little bit back in time to... Um, when you finally knew that your life was completely unmanageable and um, and and you were at the bottom and and um, and describe that bottom uh, for for us. Yeah. Describe that bottom, would you? Yeah, interesting. I, I I sit up anytime someone says the word time. Time has always fascinated me, and because of failures, <clears throat> dark moments in my life, I spend a lot of time. Uh, wishing I could go back in time and relive. Uh, That's why films like uh, Peggy Sue Got Married with Kathleen Turner really appealed to me because she actually does, in a believable way, go back in time. 
And I really like that. And she corrects mistakes she's made. I can't. I can't do it. I wish I could. But I think if I go way back in time, <clears throat> my failures in elementary school had a big role in uh, convincing me that I'm, I'm just not worth it. I'm not worthy. And uh, I know what I want to do in life. I want to go into broadcasting. And uh, so therefore, I don't need algebra. I don't need discipline at home. My, my home life, by the way, was very happy. I had great parents, um, no vices, uh, just a lot of happiness. And uh, so why would I have any problems in life? I hear that a lot from people. Oh, my father was a drunk or my mother was never home. And that's why I'm here today looking the way I look. No, I had a, a perfect home. So whatever, whatever uh, baggage I'm carrying today is not a result of them. But as you say, something invisible, some evil uh, spirit of some kind pushing so, me around. Yeah, Something was going on, John. Yeah. So would you say from an early age that your demon, okay, your ghost, your demon was this message that I'm not worthy, okay? Yeah. That uh, for some reason, whether it was uh, being in the shadow of your successful brother or whatever message or or, 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 or stimulus yeah. you, you received or didn't receive, the message, your, your demon was this message, I'm not worthy. And, and is it possible, John, that in order to overcome this message uh, that I'm not worthy, that you moved into a place of fantasy? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Fantasy. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That, that, that fantasy. And the fantasy said, I don't need algebra no. and English and all this stuff. You know, I'm better than that, okay? Yeah. And so, so we have this, um, this, this fantasy, this elevated sense of self. There it is. Yes. So maybe from, from an early age, your demon was this elevated sense of self. The bondage of self, maybe, John. Maybe the bondage of self was there in the very beginning in order to to overcome this message of I'm not worthy. Yeah, I created a fictitious character in my own personality. Right. I believed I was already achieving and uh, I was already there in life where I want to be. Okay, but, but, but by the way, now let's talk about this. By the way, if you're just joining us, I'm here with John T. and I'm Toby C. And this is our show called The Fourth Dimension, talking about evil demonic uh, uh, resistance that many of us recover, encounter in early recovery. And we're here with John going back to the very beginning where we can put the finger on the demon that, that was always there with us and uh, baiting uh, the temptation and delivering us into the hands of evil because we opened ourselves up to it. And wouldn't you say, John, that you opened yourselves up to this demon by carrying this message of "I'm not worthy"? Absolutely, you know? no problem. I mean, you're putting yeah. you're putting your finger right on it. Yeah. So, so here's the deal. And 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 by the way, we had the luxury of of having uh, talked about this before we actually came on to on on air. But this is live recorded. And and here's the deal. It was about identification, and you had trouble identifying with yourself, okay, because maybe there was shame or something going on. So how, how did you identify, or with whom, or with what did you identify with, John? I believe I embraced the characters I loved on television and in movies, and uh, I, I loved records as soon as I could walk my parents said I was picking up records. I couldn't read the labels yet, but I knew what they were and playing the records. So I became a DJ. In my mind, at age seven, eight, nine, I'm going to go into radio, I thought. And, 
And well, look what happened. Yeah, but it was a bumpy trail. Well, yeah, but how interesting though. But you really lost your yourself in this identification of sure. music, this identification of this imaginary on the air personality. Nobody could see you because you're a DJ. So you so you so you didn't have to worry about being subjected to people's uh, ridicule or, right. or unfair judgment. Yeah. They could use their imagination, which, by the way, is one of the things I like about radio. And by the way, yeah. this show is all about the imagination, gang. How interesting, though. So your demon was there. Even your your demon was there on the ride down to the bottom, wasn't it? Yeah, all the way. All the way. Uh, yeah, I knew I wanted to go into radio. I wanted to be a DJ, play music, read the news. That's all I wanted. So therefore, everything in school was meaningless and useless. And it showed in my report card, which ultimately reflected on me as a as a incapable person, untalented, maybe wasted, maybe useless. Okay, when we come back, we're going to now take these major human failings or these character defects or insecurities, and we want to go back now, and I want to see if you can share with us real external evil events that happened to you on your way to the bottom or when you tried to get off of the bottom, okay? Mm -hmm. It wasn't an inside job, John, was it? Not at all. It came from somewhere out there. Better yeah. believe it. I'm Toby C. This is called The Fourth Dimension. We'll be right back after this break. If you enjoy our message, then please visit us at itmtoby.com. imagination to take us places we might be afraid to go you are entering the fourth dimension with toby c there is no such thing as coincidences here's toby okay if just if you're just joining us we're here with john t my name is toby c and this is a concept show called the fourth dimension and uh, we don't talk about Adam and Eve. We don't talk about the, a the apple. We're talking about the snake, okay? We're talking about evil. We're not talking about looking back and, and we can see where God was doing for me, what I could not do for myself. We're talking about looking back and seeing something other than God. We're going to take a calm, objective look back and look at where evil, the devil, Satan, was active in its interference in our ability to get better. And by the way, I got to tell you, this is not a show about putting the devil at the center of this deal, okay? And the devil is not at the center of faith, but his figure is indispensable to understanding the mysteries of faith, okay? That's it. And by the way, the devil does not want you or me or John or anybody to really understand the mysteries of faith. The devil does not want us to understand God or anything called faith, simply because the devil wants us to deny his existence, okay? So there it is. And if the figure of the devil is missing, one also loses sight of the figure of God itself. It makes the concept of God very abstract. So there is the deal. John, looking back now, okay, all right, never mind you can see what God was doing for you, what you could not do for yourself. Looking back now, um, 
what was going on when you were trying to get better? What, what, were, what was hurting you? What were the external experiences that you were having when you were finally trying to get better and finally get in touch with your true authentic self that was eluding you in this, this identity crisis that so many of us have? Uh, may I go back to the third grade just for a few seconds? Absolutely. That's where I it all started. I don't know who I was before third grade. I absolutely have no idea, no recall, because in third grade, I remember something happening that I think changed my whole persona and brought in a lot of negatives in my, my, pers my personal life. And that is I answered a question in class that was the wrong answer. But what it did was it sparked immense laughter through the class. Everybody was laughing at me, and at that very moment, I felt something great about me. I could be funny. And uh, I thought, with just having seen Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, I could be like them. Every day thereafter, all the way up through high school, I was the class clown. I was always looking for that one moment where I felt really good about myself. I could make this whole class love me because I was funny. And that was your way of changing your I'm not worthy message. Absolutely. Was, sure to, was to identify in something that externally gave you a different message. And it was external, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't an inside no, job. Not at all. People, at all. you know, people hurt people. Yeah. People hurt you, didn't they, John? They did, because that was the last time I really felt respected. After that, every time I tried to be funny and make the class laugh and thus be the hero, it, it, it bombed. So you hungered for that. Oh, yeah. You hungered for that. Yeah. And, and then when you saw Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin and, 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 you, and you saw the connection, you said, I want more of that. You hungered for that. Yeah. You hungered for that fantasy. You hungered for that escape. Yeah. That was an escape, wasn't yeah, it? It was. Very much. Now, oh, yeah, very much. So there it is. And, 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 and it was looking back, looking back, John, did, did, did a loving God really at an early young age wants you to escape and to to move into fantasy. And by the way, there's you know, fantasy and and faith are are close cousins, but you know, yeah. um to to not be really who you are, to be something than yeah. than the the beautiful, miraculous, perfect creation that God created. Yeah. yeah. So 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 there was something that was already moving you into this arena of fantasy. Yeah. And it wasn't God, was it, John? No, no, it wasn't. I looked at my brother's report card, then I looked at my dismal grades. <clears throat> I became valedictorian, and everybody loved him, and I wasn't getting that. But I could get it through a laugh. Now and then, it worked. And But as a result, uh, a lot of the girls didn't like me. And being a romantic at that little age, uh, I wanted a girlfriend, and I couldn't. I couldn't get one because I was stupid. I was a look acting stupid. I was the class clown that it wasn't working. Uh, I needed some help in the comedy department. But I do wish now, in looking back, as I say, <clears throat> wish I could go back in life and do it all over again. Sure. It's one of my biggest drawbacks right now is I'm think, living in the past. A dear friend of mine says, you can't live in the past. It's over. But that's all I'm doing these days. Yeah. 
What we're going to do, this is a short segment. We're going to be breaking here shortly for the bottom of the hour. When we come back, I want John to take us and finish up his, his spiral to the bottom in his identity crisis where John was trying to project this insecurity uh, in terms of identifying with others. And it wasn't a godly identification. It was a selfish, self-centered identification, wasn't it, John? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we're going to be right back. I'm Toby C. We're here with John T. The show is called The Fourth Dimension. We're talking about Satan, evil, demonic interference in our earliest attempts at recovery. We're going to be right back. message, then please visit us at itmtoby.com. Making sense out of nonsense. Making you as curious and uncomfortable as possible with the truth. You've landed in the fourth dimension with Toby C. Hey, listen, if you're in early recovery and you can't get this thing, you can't get out of that rut, trust me, you're involved in a spiritual tug of war and you just don't know it, okay? And why don't you quit blaming him, quit blaming her, quit blaming it, quit blaming yourself, quit blaming God, okay? And there might be another, there might be another actor uh, in the party here, okay, in this production that uh, wants to remain hidden. Wants to remain hidden, right, John? Absolutely, yeah. I know what you're talking about, and I think I first have hand experience at that, too. Yeah, and by the way, listen, we're going to be talking about the devil, Satan, Lucifer, the fallen angel, negative paranormal activity, whatever you want to call it, okay? But uh, but by the way, we're going to stay balanced during this show, okay? Um, I'm here to tell you, um, denying or disbelieving in the existence of the devil is extreme behavior, okay? It's called ignorance, okay? And by the way, uh, on the other side of the, of the coin is to, uh, to have an excessive, unhealthy interest in Satan. And that's not what this show is all about. This show is to talk about the magician, okay? The illusionist, okay? The, um, the evil energy that once... We open ourselves up to this, this negative energy, and we all do it because we're self-centered survivalists. We were born that way. Once we make these bad, selfish, self-centered decisions, okay, and start moving in that direction, the devil comes in and exaggerates this decision, okay? It amplifies this misery, okay? It magnifies the, 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 the gravity of this shameful, risky behavior, can you dig it? Okay. So don't give yourself so much credit and quit damning God for crying out loud. Okay. Here's the deal. We're with John and John's going to finally take us to the bottom where we can kind of organize what the hell was going on with this identity crisis, this, this battle with identification, this, this slipping into fantasy in order to overcome this, this, this inside message of not being worthy. But again, we're not talking about the inside job we're going to finally get to the, the exterior, but John, take us to the bottom and, and help us sort out what was really going on at that moment. 
Yes, and as I mentioned before, probably more than once, I wish I could go back in time mm. and pick up at this point or that point and live it correctly. And that word correctly is a key word here because I know I wasn't doing right by pretending. That's a good word, pretending I was uh, the, the class jokester. I was the entertainer. And then wouldn't you know, early in high school days, I met another guy who felt the same way. So we became uh, Abbott and Costello or Laurel and Hardy, just a couple of pair, a pair of couple, a pair of jokesters. And by being that way, I was really running from the reality of who I should be because I didn't want to look at him. I wanted to look away from him. I, I wanted to deny him by becoming someone else. And that leads us now to the first day in college. My parents dropped me off in Boston where I was going to go to college. And ahead of time, they thought, well, we're going to spare him dorm life because that's a drinking life. I had never had any alcohol. So they found a nice room and bath right nearby. They drove away, uh, wishing me luck. We'll pray for you. I love you and goodbye. And uh, I don't think they were even out of sight. I was at the corner store buying something I'd never bought before. And that was, count them, three very tall bottles of beer. So what does that tell me about myself? Like I'd been living every day for this moment where I could actually use a substance to become what I want to become and feel the way I want to feel. I don't want to think about my bad report cards or the fact I couldn't win girlfriends. I was going to start a new life now, and this beverage is going to help me do it. There it is. So you nailed it. Yeah. Um, alcohol was your, was your express ticket to fantasy, correct? Yeah. There it is. May I, may I add, I had a premonition, or I don't know what this is. Maybe someday I'll meet someone who can explain this. When I was six years old, I remember running through the dining room. Dinner's almost ready. Mom is at the stove. Dad's home from work, and he's over by the sink, and he's pouring himself a drink from a very odd-looking bottle. I'll tell you now it was wine. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't know about wine. I didn't, I didn't even know what alcohol was. Well, I couldn't even say alcohol. But there was something about that bottle and my future I couldn't accept, and I started crying. Started crying. Why is Dad doing that? How interesting. Was your dad a drunk? No. In okay. fact, that was the he only was, He was balanced, yeah. uh, so he was a normie, but, 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 but there was some connection yeah. that you saw already at six years old. But anyway, hey, fast forward here, John. Um, you, you became a very successful media personality. Describe that, 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 describe that shooting star for a minute and, and how um, your self-will... And maybe fueled by a little alcohol, you know, yeah. you uh, you got a nice ride out of the deal. Describe that for us. The day I saw my dad with that wine, I should finish that story quickly. Sure. And and it's I would find out from my mother that the doctor urged him to take a, a little wine before dinner. The fact that it caused me such upset, and nobody knew why. Uh, he stopped. I never saw him drink. We never had a bottle in the house again. Uh, my parents dated a lot. When they were out one evening, I took a sip of that bottle probably the same day. Oh, I hated it. <laughs> Wine. Oh. How interesting. Yeah. Hey, by the way, is it possible that you didn't know it, but at that moment you were shaming your father? 
I didn't know that. Is it is it possible oh, yeah, you're ashamed of him? Yeah, I didn't know and, I did and, that. And is it possible your father suffered from shame that you don't even know about? And, and and is it possible that the shame that your father suffered from compelled him to make sure you never experienced that that activity again? And um, and by the way, I want to know: is it possible, John, that maybe maybe you acquired that same DNA from your father, that same type of shame that gave you this message that I'm not worthy? How about that? Never looked at it. That's the first time in my life I've heard it said, and thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, there was a transmission of the gene, I'm told. Uh, as I say, my brother is a, famous, is a famous doctor, number one in his class at Harvard Medical. He said out of the four years that uh, he was learning about medicine that they only spend 20 minutes on alcoholism, but he said he learned in that, that it is transmitted usually skipping one generation. Well, both my grandfathers died of it. So that explains that. If, um, yeah. again, this is Toby C. I'm here with John T. And this is a show called The Fourth Dimension. It's a concept show. And the concept is we're not talking about um, God. We're talking about the antithesis of God. We're putting the, we're illuminating Satan and evil and the devil in order to make the relevance and the importance of a loving God um, ever more poignant. And that's really what we're trying to do here um, with this show. John has taken us back to um, the beginnings and his successful career um, and this shooting star that uh, that he enjoyed the ride on in order to overcome uh, his identification uh, issues. Um, and, um, and one of the ways, obviously, by now you know that, that one of the ways that John and I overcame our identification issues or our identity crisis is we used alcohol, among other things, to slip into this fantasy world, to try to become something that we were not. And we already acknowledge that that's not God working through us. Mm -hmm. That's something other than God that's telling us that you don't want to be this. You want to be that. Take it away, John. Yeah, now we come to the first uh, struggle of crossing this huge gap, this valley where there's no bridge, and uh, I didn't know what to do. I fell in love with a woman who ultimately became my wife, and she didn't know I drank. She loved me just for that reason. I found a, a husband that doesn't drink. Uh, not only did I drink, but I smoked, and I destroyed, I think, a good marriage. 18 years of drinking and smoking behind her back. Were these, By the way, John... Were these women, were they attracted to, will the real John T. stand up? Or were these women attracted and connected to this, this persona, this new identity, this, uh, this personality? What do you think? They didn't know it. They did not know the, the drinking and smoking uh, John. Um, they so knew there's two, two sides of you. Yeah, they knew me as a churchgoer. I mean, that, that might explain, that, that, that may underline the reason I believe that I had the desire to stop drinking. The fact that I would go to church, and they li she liked that. So for 18 years, I was her husband, drinking and smoking behind her back. I don't know how I did it, but I must have really put up. I, but you were in radio by this time, were you not? Yeah, oh yeah. You were, you were, you know, don't downplay the radio. Tell us about the radio career. Really, you know, I mean... You, yeah. you nailed it, man. You had a nice ride. Never mind your domestic uh, life yeah. and this wonderful uh, married life that uh, was this Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. There was another side to John. Yeah. There was this radio personality. There was this 
there was this 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 mm-hmm. this entertainer. Yeah. Right out of college. Right out of college, I was picked up by a major station of Big, a great big radio station covered all of the state of Maryland, AM and FM, and I was going to be their afternoon DJ. I mean, my goodness, they didn't know I drank. So now I became, with a marriage in my life, I became a secret drinker. Mm. And I drank maybe weeks apart. But when I drank, it's because no one was looking. And the station didn't know it either. No. I mean, that was back in the in the day, though, where you could have a, a three-martini lunch and smoke yeah. a couple packs of cigarettes in the studio, and uh, nobody right. would think any anything of it. But right. uh, but you already had kind of a secret life, didn't you? I did. It was a secret life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that is the negative of my life I'd like to redo so I could be myself yeah. and not someone else. It is what it is. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, what we have is today. Let me ask you this, John. In your earliest memories of your childhood, were you irritable, restless, and discontent? Well, and is that t- why? And is that why you couldn't be happy, being your true, authentic self, and you wanted to escape this this message that kept playing inside you that I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy. Not so, good enough, not worthy. Whoa. All would, caps. Put it all in caps. Um, did did that irritate you? That yeah. type of uh, of uh, self talk. There was something going on. I was uh-huh. always in the principal's office. Sure. So it sounds to me like maybe maybe you were irritable, restless, and discontent at an early age, and and maybe you didn't have alcohol or drugs at that early age, but you had fantasy. Fantasy is correct. And then when we got to the alcohol, man, it made the fantasy even more take off. It was easier. So yeah, there it is. A lot so, easier. So before we, before we break here, I want to ask you this. By the time you, your shooting star took off and you got into to radio, and I mean, you had quite a following, were you yeah. still irritable, restless, and discontent? Was there something missing, even though you had achieved this pinnacle of, of identification. What do you think? You're absolutely right about that. Yep, and I joined, I became a part of an industry that did drink. There secretly. you go. Yep. All right, we're going to be talking about that. That's the devil, baby. We're going to talk about evil resistance when we try to get better in early recovery. I'm Toby C. We're here at John T. The name of the show is called The Fourth Dimension. We'll be right back. message, then please visit us at itmtoby.com. Are you feeling a little uncomfortable? Then you're right where you belong in the fourth dimension with Toby C. Okay, we're just finishing up Hour 1 with John T. I'm Toby C. This is our show called The Fourth Dimension. It's a concept show. The concept is we're talking about Satan, the devil, negative paranormal energy, the fallen angel, whatever you want to call it, okay? But we're talking about something um, evil, okay? It's a test, let me tell you. And if you're in early recovery and you can't get better, 
you're experiencing a test. And it ain't a test from God, okay? God does test us. There's no question about it. But in early recovery, man, we're vulnerable, man. We're vulnerable. So here we go, John. Let me tell you something. You're, you know, this this shooting star, this, uh, you had quite a following. Uh, nowadays, they would call it analytics. But you had, you had an incredible um, uh, run in media and in radio and in entertainment. But for some reason, despite all of that, you lost your soul, okay? And you lost everything, including your identity, this identity that, that, that alcohol and fantasy from an early age tried to, tried to create and materialize, and it was all gone. So what was going on when you're... When, <laughs> Describe this bottom, this crisis, and how you were trying to get out of it, and and maybe describe what was going on around you that was really discouraging you. It goes back to that third grade moment when I said the wrong, I gave the wrong answer, and it made the class explode with laughter, and I enjoyed that. I hadn't felt that before, and it just made me feel like someone important, which I didn't feel because the report cards were loaded with low grades, and Bill, this this guy that comes into our classroom, uh, John, he has to work harder, work, 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 work harder. Anyway, all the way up to college, uh, I wasn't happy with that image. I wasn't happy with who I was. I didn't know who I was. But uh, the alcohol gave me a sense of purpose. I felt good about it. I'm going into an industry I was unaware that was loaded with alcohol. Uh, ultimately, when I got to Hollywood and a very big station, I was coming into work with a big bag of beer, and I was going to sit down at this control board. I'm going coast to coast, 212 stations live, and I'm drinking beer. It was great. I loved it. It was giving me everything I couldn't find in myself all of my life. It was working for you. Yeah. Until it didn't work for you anymore. All right. And may I say that... I probably would never have made it to L.A., except I was drinking at the time. I'll tell you why that is. The real me would never have had the courage to call Los Angeles in response to a private ad. They're looking for a top DJ for the number two station in Los Angeles. I, I had no faith in myself doing that until I was well filled up on alcohol, and all of a sudden it gave me the courage. Liquid courage. Liquid courage. I felt really good that that alcohol made me feel like the person I wanted to be. By the way, John, is there a difference between liquid courage and, and an unshakable faith? No, that's a good question. How right, do I not, answer? Let's not get too deep, but I'll tell no. you this, man. You were running on fear. Yeah. You were in your disease. And, and how interesting. And here's a great example again where drugs or alcohol works for us, okay? Yeah. It works for us. It's kind of the great illusion. I mean, this thing must work. It, 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 you, it, you've got to step up in your career and in, yeah. in your exposure and the whole deal, didn't you? Yes. So for six months uh, in that year, uh, I was <clears throat> drinking every morning at a different kind of job, a desk job. And I was pretty well drunk, let's say, uh, by noon or one o'clock. And I'd go to a payphone and call the station in LA. Has any decision been made yet on my audition tape? 
I would not have done that if I hadn't been drinking. I would have had the courage. I'd still be back there in Washington, D.C. But guess what, folks? During the six months they were listening to thousands of audition tapes, I was the only guy calling in. I got the job. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Now, may I say as a postscript, this will shock you. Because I'd been doing news for a lot of my life, I was very serious. I had that straight tone in my voice that we call that news urgency, news concern. So I get on the air in L.A. as a DJ, and it was very serious. Those were the carpenters, ladies and gentlemen. No, you don't do that. So the program director worked with me for a couple of days. He, he said, you don't sound relaxed like you did in your audition tape, which was, by the way, made when I was drinking. Mm -hmm. He said, why don't you do this on your way to work? Get loaded. Stop at the bar down the street. <laughs> have two or three beers. So I did what he told me. I now now I'm not no longer an alcoholic. I, I'm doing what my boss told me. So ha maybe in the first hour of the show, he calls me on the hotline, which is red phone that we get urgent wow. calls. And he said, you sound great. Oh, I keep love it, it up. I love it. So let me just interrupt here for a minute. How interesting, John, that that was that was a that could have been a real turning point. Yeah, he could have said, you know something, John. I think your life's unmanageable. Why don't right. you get some help? Uh, why don't you take a little time off? You know, let's kind of look at this thing. And instead of instead of helping you make a right turn, he helped you make a radical left turn. Man, he put the curve in that turn for you. My goodness, talk about an external, evil, discouraging moment. That was that was a fork in the road for you, wasn't it, John? It was. That was that was looking back, you didn't know it, did you? No. You didn't know it. No. But that was you could have gotten better at that moment, couldn't mm, you? Have? Absolutely. That's I, I can't imagine where I'd be today if it weren't for drinking, which is a sick, sad thing to say. It it made us and it took us down. It did. I gotta tell you. We're wrapping up hour one here with John. You know, when we come back for hour two, I'm telling you, this man has such a fascinating history and legacy, and I know some of it is going to be immensely helpful to a newcomer or somebody out there who's struggling with early recovery or just can't seem to get out of that rut. So, John, I want to thank you for, for joining us for hour one, and, and I look forward to hour number two, which is going to follow here. But uh, thank you for, for kind of warming us up yeah. and talking about the, the evils of the industry. You didn't even, we didn't even touch on the evils of the industry. No. We just talked about a couple of uh, discouraging words from your manager yeah. who wanted the, um, not the real John T. to come out, but the, the, uh, the fast and loose John yeah. T. Yeah. And that fast and loose almost killed you, didn't it? Yeah. Can I say one more thing in one sentence? Yeah. So here I am, many, many years later, after seeing that Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis movie, Hollywood or Bust, I'm in Hollywood. There it is. Dream come true. Or was it a nightmare? Interesting. When we come back for hour two, we're not going to let John T. go anywhere without really giving us some good ghost stories. And, um, and again, this is a concept show called The Fourth Dimension. We talk about not the apple not Adam and Eve. We're here to talk about the snake. And thank you so much, John. Thank you, Toby. I'll be right back with Hour 2 with John T. I'm Toby C., The Fourth Dimension. God bless and watch out for Satan.
If you enjoy our message, then please visit us at itmtoby.com. Welcome to the Fourth Dimension with Toby C., where participants dare to disclose bizarre experiences that occur in early recovery. The battle between good and evil, of God and of the occult. The psychic challenges we all encounter when trying to do the right thing. Now, here's Toby. Those who deny the existence of satanic malice have a lot to learn, baby. How you doing? I'm Toby C. And this is a concept show called The Fourth Dimension. Yeah, it's a concept show. What a concept. We're not going to be talking about Toby C. No. And we're not going to be talking about Adam and Eve. No. We're not going to be talking about the apple. No. We're not going to be talking about God. No. We're going to be talking about the antithesis of God. We're going to be talking about evil. We're going to be talking about the devil. We're going to be talking about something that would prefer to... Um, to stay in the darkness of confusion. Uh, I want to welcome back for our number two, John T. Hello, John. Toby, thank you. This is a this is a joy. I'm, I enjoy being with you. Thank you. Now, by the way, if you if you recognize John's voice, it might be because John was a, a well-known radio personality. And because we're going to be doing this show in the spirit of anonymity, we're not going to be getting very specific. But uh, last hour, we talked about, um, like we do all of our shows, we talk about the, the crazy things that we do in, um, in living life on life's terms, mm -hmm. right, as we mm -hmm. spiral down to the bottom, right, John? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. That's right. the only way to do it, really. Yeah, you got it. You got to live... You got to go for the gusto. Yes. Uh, you know the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat. By the way, some of them, some of us, don't survive the agony of defeat. Um, we die, or we go insane. That's or right. We, um, or we lose everything. And and um, and what we're going to be doing this hour is we're going to be focusing on. Um, on a very interesting bandwidth of recovery, we're going to be talking about the very earliest efforts that John can remember trying to uh, break out of the bondage of self, okay. breaking out of the bondage of self. And, um, and, and before we do so, I want to go ahead and, and warm this up because I know if I don't warm it up, uh, John uh, probably won't light the fire. So let me go ahead and warm it up for a minute and give a few accolades to John. John, um, John, you experienced a dream come true, didn't mm. you? Oh, my word, yeah. It, it took many years to realize that after it happened. You know, yeah. they, you know what they say, play the part until you... Drop. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> until, you, until you become the part. That's right. And, um, and you played the part... Uh, in your mind and in, in your fantasy and in your projection. And you actually developed this, this personality, probably was developing in your early childhood. And you were moving toward this ideal, this vision, weren't you? Yes, I was. In fact, <clears throat> over the years, a number of times I wanted to go in for counseling, see a psychologist, find out what's going on in my life that I don't see. And each time he or she, whomever, would draw the conclusion on our third get-together that 
I was competing against my brother, which was impossible. He was A-plus from gymnastics to music to physics and won a number of scholarships, went to a number of colleges, traveled abroad. Number one in his class, Harvard Medical School. So here I am coming home with C minus and D. I'm the class clown that never got a laugh. So my personality was definitely being stepped on. I wasn't growing up the way I should have with some self-confidence. And uh, I wish I could see my, I wish I could see then what I see today. Would you say that you in fact did not envy your brother, but you, you, you wanted to move away from yeah. from that yeah. that ideal, and you wanted to create some entirely new fantasy image that you that was pleasing to you and what you thought was pleasing to to people about you, and you wanted to move toward that ideal. Would you say that was That's happening? Absolutely right, absolutely. And he would be my best critic. Anything yeah. I said, anything I did, anything I was thinking about, you're wrong. You're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. If I may share this, <clears throat> I don't think he, I know he wasn't listening. But uh, I talked to him every Sunday, and I talked to him again today. And being an invalid, his whole attitude toward me has changed. Uh, for years now, he said, oh, we're so proud of you, Bill. Everybody's proud of you. Mom and Dad, we're so proud of you, John. And uh, so I'm, I'm saying, okay, enough of that, Roger, en enough of that. John's a good boy, and let's get on with our relationship. So that is interesting, that just now, talking with you, I looked back and I saw where my feelings of failure were beginning. They were beginning to be told to me in my third, fourth, fifth grade, high school and beyond. That's fine. And, and, and by the way, John, we all have our, our insecurities. There's sibling rivalry. There's the dynamics of the dysfunctional family system. And I'll tell you, every, you know, we could do a whole show mm. on the crazy stuff we do and the reasons why we do what we do uh, because of the insanity, m much of which comes from the dysfunctional family system. Would you agree? Absolutely. So Thank you very much. So what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at evil resistance. That's the theme of this of this show, of all of the Fourth Dimension shows. We're going to be looking for your ghost story. Yeah. Uh, something external happened um, when you tried to get better. But I want you, before you describe getting better, please describe to us the, the pinnacle of this dream come true for you. What was it like to, to move out of fantasy and into reality? We talked last hour about, yeah, you used liquid courage. It was the great illusion. It got you to where you wanted to go. Okay. What was it like being in this, um, in this, in this fantasy world that was now your reality? Describe it to us. It could have been beautiful and it could have been enjoyable a few years for me to arrive at this pinnacle of my life, but uh, there's a price. There was a price to pay. Uh, my wife and I weren't getting along. She was unaware that <clears throat> I was considering a move to L.A., and I assumed she would move too. We had four children. So uh, when it came along, that phone rang, and it was Hollywood. And by the way, you're, you have a very ecumenical background you played uh the organ yeah. with your church mm -hmm. and uh, you you and your first wife were extremely uh, uh, uh devout uh, worshipers in your yeah. faith and so this 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 industry that you are now getting ready to move into the reality of that was a big change for you wasn't it yes it was in fact mm -hmm. the the minister who was to marry us interviewed me 
And he said, why would you want to go into radio? It's such a dark medium. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you're heading for, and I do, he said. But actually, it was all success and money and happiness. Everything worked out fine until the call from L.A. came. And uh, I, I flew out there, and they signed me up right away. And this was a dream come true. It goes back to when I was seven, leaving mm -hmm. the State Theater in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis with Hollywood or bust. I prayed every day as a kid. Uh, God, take me to Hollywood. I, want, I didn't even know where it was. I it just it. It looked so beautiful on the screen. So that was a dream for that you. That was a dream come true and unexpected, mm -hmm. unexpected. Okay, so fast forward now. You're at the, you're living your dream now. Mm -hmm. You're in Hollywood. You're, um, you've got a million and a half listeners, I think. And, yeah. And 32, 132 stations coast to coast or it was how much? It was, was yeah, it? it was on the uh, network for Dick Clark. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For, and, um, and so, I mean, you, you nailed it. You were there. Yeah. Yep. And... You would think you would finally um, come to a place of contentment and peace and joy and, mm -hmm. and success, you know, right? The, yeah. uh, what are they, the altar of, of achievement. You're, yeah. You made it. Isn't that great? But, uh, yeah. But you never got there, did you? you no. Never, you never got to the, the, the golden chair on the altar no. of success. You never really got the brass ring, did you? No, and it was like getting a new car free, but it didn't come with a key. Mm -hmm. So here I am. I should be rejoicing at my big step. I'm like a lawyer being appointed to the Supreme Court, mm -hmm. and I had no one to share the, the joy with. I was alone. What a lonely experience. Yeah, very and, lonely. And did your, did your drinking and alcohol abuse uh, kick up a notch because of this loneliness? Now you're across the country from your yeah. family, and um, you're really trying to, you know, get things moving along, and things yeah. are moving along. And uh, was it, let me ask you this, John, did it seem like the more successful you became overtly and inwardly, the lonelier you became? Yes, it became a motel thing for a while. I had no one to share the joy with because uh, even though I'd signed a contract, my wife announced, well, we're not going to California. Mm -hmm. So I, I lost my family essentially to keep this job, which was money to put my children through mm -hmm. college and pay the house mortgage and so forth. Mm -hmm. So I stayed in L.A. I mm -hmm. did. You suffered. Yeah, I really did. You did and suffer. Sounds, sounds to me like you had an overwhelming and compelling reason to get loaded and to stay loaded. At every opportunity yeah. you could. What do you think? Well, after I landed at LAX, they put me in a hotel for the night. And I said, this is my last night drinking because I will not let alcohol get in my way anymore. Ah, okay, hold that thought. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. That was that was a moment yep. that you were ready. You had made a heartfelt decision to emerge from from your, your hell, yep. your living hell. Mm -hmm. There it was. Yeah. How interesting. <laughs> what happened, John? Well, I was on the air two or three nights, and since I had come out of a, a, a year, many years of news anchoring, I sounded like a newsman. That was the Carpenters with John and Karen here. It was too formal, too stiff. Uh, I ultimately became a teacher of broadcasting, and I can tell you, I'm ashamed of what I must have sounded like. So, program hmm. director said, you know what? You should go out on your way from your home to the station stop. Oh, and get a drink and loosen up. Yeah, you told us get that a couple last, of beers, yeah. You told us that last year. That's so, where So my, there it is. Yeah. Boy, if that wasn't an external yeah. evil moment, and we talked about that, okay? 
that was your ghost story, John. Mm-hmm. You know, you that was a real turning point. Yeah. When you were in the motel and you were getting ready to start the next day and you were getting ready to start your, mm-hmm. your really grasp a hold of your dream come true. Yeah. I can't think of anything more discouraging and evil than your manager, your mentors, your guides, the people that sign your paycheck telling you to go out and get loaded. Mm-hmm. Loosen up. Yep. They loved me after that. Wow, wow, yeah. wow. The only problem was I was bringing more in every day. Yeah, yeah, good, good. So you're the um, you're the you're the cash cow or the mm-hmm. uh, the golden goose or whatever they call it, and and yeah. and as long as you were uh, bringing home the bacon, so to speak, uh, mm-hmm. everything was okay. Yeah, uh, they didn't really care. Well, so so you're being used. You were yeah. being used. Really, you're right. Were yeah. you being overworked and underpaid? I was being uh, no. In radio, you're always underworked. Uh, pay is something negotiable. But okay. All no right. one no one does forty hours that I know of who's on the air every day. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So when we come back, yeah, i i want I want to also explore some other ghost stories because you had some other moments besides that that moment before you were ready to show up the next day at work and and you had made this heartfelt decision. You had other moments in your bumpy road along your bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Where you want to get better and evil resistance interfered somehow, John. What do you think? I absolutely believe you. Yeah, yep, okay. We We're going to be right back with John T. I'm Toby C. This is our show called The Fourth Dimension, a higher level of planular thinking. We talk about the devil. We talk about Satan. It makes the relevance of a loving God, only a loving God, makes it more important uh, and more real. Can you dig that? We're going to be right back. Stand by. If you enjoy our message, then please visit us at itmtoby.com. the imagination to take us places we might be afraid to go. You are entering the fourth dimension with Toby C. There is no such thing as coincidences. Here's Toby. Okay, if you're just joining us, we're here with John T. I'm Toby C. This is a concept show called The Fourth Dimension. It's a concept because we're not here to talk about Toby C. We're not here to talk about, uh, it's a recovery show, by the way. Oh, big time recovery show. But we're here to talk about God, and we're going to take kind of the side door to talking about God. We're going to be talking about the antithesis of God. We're talking about evil resistance that so many of us encounter during our earliest attempts at recovery. And maybe you're going to hear something useful and helpful this hour as we as we mash it out with John T. talking about what it was like at the pinnacle of of radio and 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 entertainment achievement. You were there, man. How many how many men and women did you compete with at uh, at, at at that last push uh, to get to the top? Yes, as the station was folding up, <laughs> as radio stations do, it sold for two hundred forty six million dollars to a rock and roll format. We were all packing our bags, and my engineer came to me. He he liked me a lot. He said, "Boy, you really won out on this good job. You had it for ten years." And he said, do you know how many people auditioned for that? And I said, no, 
I didn't. And I didn't even want to ask. He said, almost 8,000. 8,000 reels of tape they listened to before they picked you. I'm sure there's a narrowing down each time. But the phone rang for me, and I was on the plane two days later. I said, How interesting. So you never got the memo that you were competing with that many people. No, no. He just thought it was just kind of luck, good timing, boom, you got it. How interesting. So let me ask you this, John. I mean, you made it. You were there. Yeah. You, were, you were at the top. And, uh, and we touched on this, you know, in the first hour that, uh, like so many of us, there was this, this inside message that was, that was molded and, and crafted by external stimuli, yeah. okay? Yeah. And the, the, the inner message was, I'm not worthy. Mm-mm. John's just not worthy, okay? No. And let me ask you this. If you had known that you were competing with 8,000 men and women for that position, do you think you would have valued and taken your, uh, your position a little bit more serious? Just kind of looking back, you know, or, or not. Or, or do you think not even that would have, no, would have made you feel worthy? It would have been impressive, but it wouldn't have really been compelling and well, overwhelming. I knew that the ones who didn't make it, whether it was 8,000 or 5,000, they're all listening to me and probably thinking I was a bad choice <clears throat> compared to what they could have done. But see, that's the way my mind was working. Sure. I, I was never number one. Yeah. And if I got to be number one, it's artificial. It wasn't intended for me. That's the way I walked around believing that. All right, so here's the deal. You, you, you wanted to feel complete and whole, mm-hmm. and that eluded you like it does so many of us. And you abused alcohol in this, in the pain, in, in coping with the pain and this loneliness and this isolation that, that, uh, that this insanity had created for you. Mm. I get it. So many of us can relate to that, yeah. please. Yeah. But um, you never were able to shake this message, no matter who you married or what job you had or what level of achievement and success that you had. You could never really... You could never grasp the brass ring. You could never sit at the altar of achievement and just soak it in mm-hmm. and be at peace, could yeah. you, John? No, I couldn't. No, I couldn't. No. And uh, I was told once of a, a phenomenon known as fear of success. And I think that's what I walked around. I'm still walking around today with that, believing that, okay, if I succeed, what will I do now? So mm-hmm. essentially, I succeeded by hitting the number one music and talk station in L.A., 75,000 watts. Yeah. That's most powerful. And I still wasn't happy, really. And, and by the way, your, your start, you really started uh, uh, with, with that particular group. Uh, with with just such heartfelt desire to mm-hmm. to do it right and to just nail it, and um, and the station managers thought you were a little uptight, didn't they? Yeah. And they had a suggestion for you what to do on your way uh, into yep. work in the morning. Sure. Uh, to loosen you up, what was the suggestion? Well, pick up a couple of beers or go to such and such a tavern, which was a few blocks away. How interesting. And I did. And then I began to import my beer. <laughs> so was that an er- internal message or an external suggestion? It was an external suggestion, wasn't it? It was. How, how, it in- really was. how inconsiderate. Yep. I mean, these, um, these men and women, they didn't really know you. They didn't know the loneliness. They didn't know how you were suffering. They just knew what they, what they wanted to hear and what you were being used to, yeah. to create. And, um, and, 
and it was discouraging, wasn't it? You yep. knew deep down inside this alcohol abuse was killing you, yep. and it was not, and it was a shortcoming. It was preventing you from being complete, yep. from being all you could be, wasn't it? Absolutely. And and yet, yet, yet these people wanted to pour gas on the fire. They wanted you to continue using the solution, the product, uh, the element that was holding you down. Yeah. And and by the way, it was holding you down. In retrospect, not only mentally and physically, but it was holding you down spiritually, wasn't it, John? All the way. Yeah, that was the big part. All right. So when we come back with John, we're going to mash it out after the bottom of the hour here. And we're going to talk about just specifically what happened during these various attempts when John wanted to really overcome alcohol abuse and get better and get right with himself and with God. And there was something else interfering, wasn't there, John? You better believe it. Okay, we're going to be right back. I'm Toby C. It's called The Fourth Dimension, mashing it out with John T. Be right back. If you enjoy our message, then please visit us at itmtoby.com. Making sense out of nonsense. Making you as curious and uncomfortable as possible with the truth. You've landed in the fourth dimension with Toby C. Listen, if you're having trouble getting sober or getting out of the rut of, uh, of alcohol abuse or drug abuse or some kind of, any kind of a, a compulsive, obsessive compulsive behavior that's making your life miserable and making everybody else's life miserable around you, I want you to consider something here with me and John. I'm Toby C. And this is called the fourth dimension. And I want you to consider that there might be another party, uh, another player in this particular uh, uh, act that you're experiencing right now, okay? Maybe um, maybe it's not your fault, okay? Maybe it's not his fault or her fault or its fault or God's fault, okay? How about that? Stop blaming God. Or don't, and don't give yourself so much credit, okay? There might be something external going on here, and that something external going on is called the devil, it's called evil, it's called Satan, it's called whatever you want to call it, but be aware of it, okay? Be alert and sober, because the devil prowls around, man, looking for somebody's butt to kick. And it kicked your butt, didn't it, John? Yeah, it really did. It, it really did. It goes back to the first time I quit a job. It was big-time radio Washington, D.C., and I'd had it for a few years with this general manager. So I called him one evening to discuss something, and he hung up on me. He was already in a bad mood. So uh, I was already drinking. So guess what? I called him back, and I said, did you hang up on me? He said, you're darn right I did. And I said, well, I quit. You you take over tomorrow. Take this job and shove Shop it. it. That's right. what the alcohol led Ex- me to exactly. do. Exactly. Yeah, that's, and I should that's, not have done that's that. part of the insane and the, and the liquid courage. Yeah. Again, drugs and alcohol and this, uh, this compulsive behavior, it makes us do crazy stuff. There's no question about it. But here's the deal, John. Take us to the experience now, okay? You know, um, you you knew that uh, um, that... 
the crutch of alcohol was just not working for you, Mm-mm. okay? And no. and and um, and your crutch was not heroin. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't gambling. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, there's so many evil types of destructive, shameful behavior. Your crutch was what? Alcohol. Right. So, so let's fast forward now and you've hit the pinnacle of achievement. You're in LA, you're, you're coast to coast. How many, how many listeners, listeners were you at the, at the, at the, the, the top? Yeah. The ratings are, are finished every quarter hour, every quarter a year. And we were consistently either number two or number three which meant we had about a million and a half listeners from Santa Barbara all the way down to San Diego. Unbelievable. So that was yeah. just, yeah, along the coast, yeah. along, along California. Hey, so here's the deal. Tell, tell us about the culture of radio and the station and the entertainment medium there in, in, uh, in Los Angeles. And yeah. what was it like? Um, were there, was there drugs? And was there alcohol? And was there fast and loose women? Yeah. They, oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes, there were women waiting. Um, yeah. We used a, a back entrance to the building because there are other TV networks there. And I was escorted in my car, and there'd be girls all around. Are you, are you, are you John? Are you John? We listen to you, John. We hear. And yeah. I, I was offended because they didn't know what I looked like. They didn't know who I was. I could be married with three Ooh, kids. How Interesting. And so rather than taking an interest in a girlfriend for the night or forever, uh, I just kept walking. How interesting. They were fulfilling a fantasy. Yeah. By hooking up with this this uh, yeah. this DJ. image, this DJ that yeah. they were listening to. So so here's the deal. You knew that you had a problem. Oh yeah. Um you want to make the most out of your, your experience now. You're at the top. It's a dream come true. Mm-hmm. Your station management wants you to loosen up a little bit, right? And um, they didn't tell you to go out and uh, and get some quaaludes or go down to Koreatown and get a massage, have them walk on your back and loosen you up yeah. or uh, go do some prayer and meditation. Um, what was the solution that they offered up to you, John? Uh, my program director wanted me to stop at a particular saloon, salon, whatever you call it, on the way to work, which I had already done before, but I had never drank and then go into the studio. So this time he wanted me to. And uh, so I had a couple of beers and within a half hour is in the parking lot and a half hour later I'm on the air. And then the red phone rings, that's my boss. He said, you're sounding great. Don't let go of that. That's what we wanted. That's what we heard in your audition tape. There it is. Which I cut when I was drinking. So So there it is. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you knew deep down in your heart that alcohol abuse and alcohol was killing you. Yeah. It was killing you mentally. It was killing you professionally. Mm-hmm. It was killing you uh, physically. And it was probably killing you spiritually. Yeah. You're, a, you're a man of faith. You're mm-hmm. a man of, yeah. of God. So you knew it, okay? Yeah. And yet here it was. You were hearing something external mm-hmm. from your boss on the red phone, from yep. your management making some suggestions, and it was that alcohol is good, yeah. John. Yep. Alcohol is good. Yeah. Ah, John, we don't want you to be the real you. That's see? it. Because, yep. because, John, you're not worthy. Mm-hmm. John, we want you to become this person, okay? Right. Yep. There it is. So that was part, that was fuel to the message you've been hearing since you were five or six years old. Mm-hmm. The same message. Same message. And they're fueling it. And that 
That is the devil. That is the ghost story. That was giving you, again, an overwhelming and compelling reason to stay isolated, to stay lonely, to stay unhappy, yeah. and to continue going out and getting loaded. Yeah. And by the way, um, what took you in took you right right back out, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, uh, the alcohol, this little routine of, uh, of uh, yeah. getting a snootful before you fire up the microphone— yeah finally stopped working for you, didn't it? Yeah, it works. And and they and by the way, they didn't tell you, hey, uh, they didn't have a heart-to-heart with you, did they? They didn't say, oh, we, we think you know you need some help or, or what's going on, John, or can is there something? What did they tell you? What did they tell you? Well, the, the alcohol worked for me and for my employer for several weeks, but with alcohol, two is never enough. And then it becomes four, and then six. You reach a, a, a plateau <clears throat> when you're out of control. Your diction is gone. Your understanding of what's coming up next is done. And so they replaced me that day. I gotta, but, but the point I'm trying to make here, John, yeah. is they told you in the beginning yeah. what they wanted you to do to stay on the air right. and to improve, okay? Yeah. Why didn't they at the very end tell you what to do in order to stay on the air and improve, John? They didn't, did no, they? They told you don't come back, didn't they? That particular day, They yeah. said don't come back. They so, didn't tell you what we want you to do to stay on the air and improve. Yeah. They were done with you. They had finished using yeah. you. You were done. There was, no, there was no warning. But I also know from, from being told later, you can't fire a person because he has a malady or a deficiency or a disease. Mm -hmm. and they were almost compelled to give me another chance. What I did when I left, humiliated, embarrassed, but of course the alcohol doesn't make it. Feeling not feel, worthy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Feeling not worthy. Mm -hmm. I drive uh, down into Hollywood where, well, close by, and uh, enter a bar and have some more beers. Yeah. But the next day, it dawned on me that my dream has all gone. I yeah. quit that job in D.C. because I was drinking, and it enabled me to do that, and enabled me to do an audition, and I got to L.A., which is what I wanted. But um, what really hit me was the DUI. I'm in a jail cell, and I'm waiting two days till the court opens, and I'm saying, this is my dream, or is it? It's your nightmare. It's my nightmare. It was your nightmare. Yeah. So, by the way... I want to go back for a minute, but let me ask you about your 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 time in jail. Yeah, DUI. Mm -hmm. uh, were any of those experiences a compelling reason to really put the plug in the jug and to stop drinking to really take this thing serious? No, no, no. no. And by the way, I want to go back for a minute. You know, when you finally were 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 told by these cold, callous uh, users uh, at the radio station to uh, just, you know, don't let the door hitch in the posterior on the way mm -hmm. out, okay? Yeah. Um, there was nothing left for you to do. You had hit the pinnacle of achievement. Everything else, every other opportunity in radio would really have been a step down. And see, your opportunity for radio was about building yourself up, was an opportunity to emerge from this message that I'm not worthy, so, yeah. so certainly if the pinnacle achievement could not deliver on that promise and that prayer, how could anything else? No. So there it was. Did you experience hopelessness? Hopelessness in jail. And that's what they want if they catch a drunk dri driving anywhere. Uh, see, thousands of people get DUIs. But being alone like that in 
L.A. without family, without future. I didn't know what my future was. I thought I had been fired. I got out of jail on Monday after I went to court and went to an AA meeting. Ah, so interesting. On your own? On my own. And did you hear anything you liked? I didn't hear anything I understood. (laughs) But, you know, it gave Uh me leverage to call my boss and say, you know what, I've got a problem, and I'm in AA. How interesting. In other words, words, they gave me my job back. How interesting. So in other words, if you guys aren't going to help me, I'm going to try to help me. And I just want to let you guys know that I'm trying to do something about it. How cool. And they gave you your job back. They gave me my job back. How interesting. I don't think they would have if I hadn't said that. All right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and did this new opportunity lead to the the uh, the the vineyard of fruit of happiness and joy and and achievement and and peace and serenity and success? Well, I got the job back. <laughs> Great. I'll outdo you on that one. Okay, one so, so, all right, so, so there it is. <sighs> but You're, did I drink again? Oh, yeah. All right, and, um, and again, you still had an overwhelming and compelling reason to keep drinking. Yeah. You were lonely. Mm-hmm. By the way, let me ask you this, John. This loneliness that you experienced, this loneliness that nobody could comprehend, this loneliness that gave you this reason to to get loaded and to stay loaded, mm-hmm. was this the same type of loneliness in the radio station that you experienced in the jail, in the drunk tank? Yeah, it really was. This was. This, was this the same yeah. type of loneliness that you experienced yeah. in your apartment when you were home alone uh-huh. and you were sitting there? So this loneliness was your demon. This loneliness was your ghost story. And by the way, and... And this loneliness would never leave you, no matter who or what you tried to use to expel this loneliness, the demon of loneliness. It just didn't work, did it? No, but the alcohol removed uh, the reality of my loneliness. Of for course. The, it worked for, alcohol worked for You didn't have years. to feel. You no. didn't have to feel. Felt great. If you, if, you don't, <laughs> if, if you don't feel, then you don't have to feel less than. No. If you don't feel, you don't have to feel lonely. I get it. Yeah. In fact, you can go to a bar and be around a bunch of other people trying not to feel lonely. How about that? You remember that? Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. The guy next to me, hey, you're my favorite guy. <laughs> hey, I really like you a lot. I never oh, saw him before. You know. I love it. I love it. All right. When we come back for our fourth and final segment, I want to wrap it up. And there's going to be a takeaway for, for any newcomers. There's somebody who's stuck and they can't figure out why what's going on. I'm telling you, the devil is is out there the devil's external don't give yourself so much credit okay right john absolutely yeah it happens mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about we're going to finish up john's ghost story here on the fourth dimension and i'm your host of the ghost with the most my name is toby c we'll be right back message, then please visit us at itmtoby.com. Are you feeling a little uncomfortable? Then you're right where you belong in the fourth dimension with Toby C. 
All right, so we concluded, like many of us do in recovery, especially in the 12-step program, that no human power, no radio station, no amount of success, no wife number one, two, or three, John, can really relieve us of this overwhelming compulsion to get loaded and stay loaded, right? Absolutely. You're absolutely right about that one. And um, I was walking on thin ice every day wondering what bad thing's going to happen to me today. Yeah. I was already in my third marriage now um, and uh, loved the woman. We had a wonderful romantic relationship, but it seems like I like to drink more than she. She was a one or two glass of wine girl, and uh, I was like 10 beers. So let's, let's, how about you had more of an overwhelming and compelling reason to drink than yeah. she did, maybe. Yeah. maybe and, um, but here we go. In early recovery... In your earliest attempts to, to get better and overcome this um, this demon of uh, low self-esteem, this demon of, of I'm not worthy, and you heard a lot of external you know, yeah. uh, messages and you experienced a lot of external stimuli that, uh, that reinforced and amplified this message, didn't you, John? Yes, I did. Yep. Yeah. And a lot of disappointments along with that, and some of the disappointments were unbearable. All right. So... So, so you ended up in the twelve-step program. Yes, I did. And actually, that's where I met you, and that's where I know you. And one of our, one of our slogans is that that no human power could have relieved our alcoholism, and that only God could and would if He were sought. Mm-hmm. And um, do you remember? Do you remember early AA for you? And do you remember your earliest attempts at seeking God? Yes, I do. In fact, AA gave me something I'd been looking for for a long time, and that was acceptance. People of great esteem, famous, or the lowly, or those still homeless, all liked me. And I think that's what I was looking for a long time, someone who liked me and for what I did. They uh, liked they liked the true John T. Yeah. They didn't, it wasn't this, this, this show, uh, this, this clown, this, this image, this no. illusion. It was the real deal. And yeah. they liked the real John, didn't they? The show, too. It felt yeah. good, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it felt good. I was treated like a million dollars. And I thought, where is all this coming from? And I wanted to be a part of this. By the way, and you know what you're speaking about, you're talking about the antithesis of loneliness and isolation. Yes. You're talking about unity. Yes. Oh. You started to experience the love and the unity yeah. of, of group therapy. Yeah. And, and it's not only an AA, it's in any kind of group therapy where, where two or more are gathered. Yeah. Uh, there's some kind of energy. There is. Right? And you there experience is. that energy. Oh, yeah. So, so did you get a sponsor early on? Yes, uh, I did. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about that experience. Uh, well, I, I had to give up everything I own, put it in storage, say goodbye to wife number two, and uh, move on. So I went into what they call a sober living house mm-hmm. with uh, six other guys of different walks of, in life and uh, blend in with them also likable guys who liked me. And uh, so that was my life for a few more months until I met someone who became my third wife. And uh, therein lays the greatest of all disappointments, not that I got to L.A. and drank myself out of a top job. It was that I lost that marriage for the very same reason. Just, another, another failure. Another failure. Another, another external example yeah. of, of there's something wrong with you, me. John. Yep. There's something wrong with you. Yeah. So... Let me ask you this. You know, they they say another another slogan is that we may be um, suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will Can conquer, right? right? And um, did you have a spiritual experience with your 
your sponsor? And did you open yourself up to God? And did you really seek God? Do you remember that moment in early recovery? I do. And it, it Describe worked, it. Yeah, it worked itself into our marriage. We found a good church. We were going to church together, but the disease was still there. It was not being treated because I wasn't going to AA as I should. Yeah. But, but in AA, you had a sponsor. Yeah, I did. So tell us, describe this experience with your sponsor. When you finally put your hand in the hand of another man, you were really trusting God. Yeah. You were trusting the process. That was the beginning. And, and did you did you, did you you pray with this man? Yes. Did you get down on your knees and open yourself up to, to yeah. God of your understanding? That's, yeah, well, that's what we do with the, another man. He's our sponsor or someone we can confide in the... Dark, deepest, darkest secrets. And, yeah. and and was this type of opening yourself up to a God of your understanding, was this more in depth and, and more deep yeah. and profound than that that you had experienced in yeah. your, your original uh, uh, religious church yeah. of worship and, it was, and your experience? It was planting a seed I had never had before in my life, and it grew. Okay. So by the way, here you are now, early recovery. You want to get better. You're finally feeling the love of the unity. You're emerging, yeah. emerging from isolation. You finally have a some some hope, some guiding light that's going to say, "There, I am worthy, okay? Yeah. There is something good about the authentic John, okay? There is. Uh, so, what happened, John? And by the way, don't say it's an inside job. Describe to us, with these few remaining moments, um, of, of something external and evil that, um, that took you out, that hurt your feelings, yeah. that continued to fuel the, the fire of... Um, of I'm not worthy. Describe that for us. Universal Pictures called me one day and wanted me to work for them. And I said yes. And when I got to the front door and went through some training and orientation, <clears throat> they had me sign some papers. And one of them was that I agreed not to drink the night before or the day of my employment each time or else I will be summarily dismissed and I will lose my union membership in that union. So I did stay on the right path. But my wife did not like that. She, she was very upset, said, I want a husband I can drink with. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah, another failure on my part. See? Other oh, failures my. build and build. So The hits keep coming, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they do. You know, if it's not your boss and your management trying to work you to death or kill you with the disease that's been killing you all along that they're completely unaware of, it's your spouse or yeah. it's something external, something. you know? And, and by the way... Let's not throw spouse number two or three or one under the bus. No. Do you think because maybe your your insecurities and your and your hurt, you're opening yourself up to, to darkness and maybe the darkness was using these women and these management people as a channel to discourage you from spiritual growth and progress. What do you think, John? And it worked every time. It did. Yep, it so did. uh we're not here to talk about uh, the renaissance no. of John. Uh, life is in session, man, right? Mm -hmm. And right. Uh, and I just want to thank you again for for joining me for the past couple of hours to talk about your ghost story. Uh -huh. um, your ghost story that uh, the demon that was following you around the entire time it was sitting right next to you, and you just didn't know it. No. And, um, and there was external people and things that uh, that this demon was able to amplify that kept you that kept you loaded and drunk thank yeah. god you emerged from that so i i'm so thankful for what i learned in talking to you today thank one you. day at a time i want yeah. to thank john t yep. i'm toby c 
This is our show about evil resistance that many of us encounter during our earliest attempts at recovery and getting better. Thank you again, John, for joining me. And um, please come back. Uh, listeners, it's Toby C., The Fourth Dimension. Take care. Watch out for the snake. If you enjoy our message, then please visit us at itmtoby.com. 